0: I have a great show for you today. I'll help you identify your connection with overeating. I'll also be interviewing author and chef Jacob Bustos, who reviews his book, When Food Is Your Frenemy. This book will help anyone who has low self-esteem and body image struggles to transform their lives to one of health and wellness. For more information about Jacob, please visit portionyourplate.com. You may also purchase his book at barnesandnoble.com or in the previous guest products in both stores at either jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. If you're anything like me, you'll love to read. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. Why you overeat? We all have some form of a self-soothing behavior. A self-soothing behavior is essentially what we do when we're feeling overwhelmed. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy or good for us, but it is something we've taught ourselves to do. When we were children, or rather infants and toddlers, we learned how to self-soothe. But all self-soothing behaviors come from our five senses. Think of it. Your sense of sight, when you would see your parents, or you fell asleep looking at a mobile over your crib. Your sense of hearing, watching your favorite television show, or hearing your mother's voice soothe you. Your sense of smell, the perfume of your mother, And keep in mind that all memories are actually linked with your sense of smell. Your nose can remember up to one trillion scents, and those scents are linked with your memories. Your sense of taste. Anytime we struggled, we were given our mother's milk, formula, or pacifier. Our sense of touch was usually that blanket or that special little toy that would always soothe us. The reason why it's important to identify what your self-soothing sense is, in other words, what is your go-to self-soothing behavior based off of one of your five senses is you'll see that there's a pattern. So as a child, you had a go-to self-soothing behavior that you do over and over, and then as you became older, whichever one of your five senses you use, you continually did that one over and over and over again as an adult. Often you'll find individuals, and pretty much all of us do this at times, who overeat usually have identified their sense of taste as their self-soothing behavior based off of when they were a child. So anytime we overeat or anytime we struggle with emotions that are really powerful or difficult for us, we automatically want to self-soothe, which makes perfect sense because that's what we did as kids. The problem is, is that if we've turned that self-soothing behavior with sense of taste and linked that to food, then we've taught ourselves that the only way not to feel certain emotions is to eat. So therefore we have our sense of taste now takes over to say, I'm soothed. I feel okay. I can get through this. And unfortunately, in doing that, we've then created another, quote, problem for ourselves. is because then after we overeat, we have the sense of shame or the sense of guilt. And then when we repeat that pattern over and over again, pretty soon we have obesity in our life. And once again, there's no judgment here at all. But I do want you to understand how you've linked together your food with self-soothing. One of the really good things about this is the more awareness we have, the more we can change this behavior. One of the most important things to do is as you're about to eat something, simply stop and ask yourself, how am I feeling right now? What has happened today that have caused me to feel a certain way? And a way to do that is we can create two scales for ourselves. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is the best I feel and 1 is the worst I feel. And that we can link towards our emotions. The other scale we can link towards our body. So if I know that I'm really hungry and I do these scales of 1 to 10 and my number's low for my body, well, that means I'm not feeling well and I probably should eat. Or I've worked out really hard and I know that I'm truly hungry. However, when we do this emotional scale, if the number is lower than perhaps five, then more than likely, we're now going to use food to help us raise that number. So if I eat something I really like, and it's my comfort food, then all of a sudden it's subconsciously going to increase that number. But unfortunately, it doesn't do that. So when you have that awareness and ask yourself, what am I feeling before I eat something? You'll find that with this newfound awareness that what you typically do for comfort food is not going to change the situation for you. It's going to make it worse. So I definitely want you to enjoy your food, but also remove the linkage of overwhelming emotions connected with what you eat just before you eat it. Because when you can separate those two, you can enjoy your food and that will help you manage your portion control. So remember, self-soothing behaviors are incredibly important, but you want to ask yourself, is this self-soothing behavior helping me or is it making things worse in my life? So when you can identify what your self-soothing behavior is based off of your five senses, simply ask yourself, does this self-soothing behavior still serve me? And if it doesn't, use whichever version of your five senses that helps you and create a healthier version of it. Are you an expert in your field or an author who wants massive exposure? I am now looking for self-development experts to be a promotional guest on Lifeology. Currently, Lifeology has an average listenership of over 3 million people per episode. If you are ready to invest in your brand and promote yourself on Lifeology, then apply today. Simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash guest and apply for this opportunity. This is only for a limited time, and only a select few will be chosen. So if you're ready to reach a global audience, then apply today. Simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash guest to apply. My guest today is Jacob Bustos, a chef and food enthusiast who has a transformational story of weight loss. He used his inspirational story, his portion control program, and his ability to create healthier versions of your favorite foods to write his book, When Food is Your Frenemy. This book will help anyone who has low self-esteem and body image struggles to transform their lives to one of health and wellness. Welcome to my show, Jacob.
1: Thank you very much, Mr. James. How are you doing? I
0: am well. I love the title of your book, When Food is My
1: Frenemy. I mean, we all <laughs> have experienced that
0: several, several times, probably even today.
1: <laughs> uh, you know what? Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that because I, I struggled really to figure out what the title should be. <laughs> I love it. You know what? Honestly, food in in my life has been my best friend at so many times. Mm-hmm. it has been my biggest enemy. So I just thought, you know what? Well, I mean... The word frenemy is used in so many different things, but never with food. So here you go, when food is your frenemy. I love it. <laughs> now tell us your story as well, because when I was reading the information
0: about you, the the pre the pre photos I saw of you versus who you are today was completely
1: different. What was your background? So I am uh, I'm a restaurant guy. I've been in the food food industry for about twenty six years. Um, Just, you know, just a normal guy, no, no, nothing special. I just, uh, just a guy who liked to be in the restaurant business. I've always been a very hospitable person. Uh Uh, I come from, I come from a very small town in Northern New Mexico. Um, and I would like to say that we're very hospitable people. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, you know, that's, it's, it's just been who I am. I I grew up kind of as a, uh, like a husky kid. Uh, my mom always called me the husky one in the family, but, um, (laughs) and 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 really it, it was kind of who i was and it kind of allow, i allowed myself to be defined that way for a little while um i i got into my or i went through my 20s actually and then got into my 30s being pretty heavy uh at my top weighing about 320 pounds mm, wow. and uh getting down to 155 believe it or not that is incredible i know a little a little bit too much on the thin side there but um but now i'm at a very comfortable 165 uh, and, and my weight fluctuates between 165 and 170, but um, but really, actually, a very very healthy weight.
0: Wow, down to 170 pounds—that is absolutely incredible. What did you do to have that weight loss transformation?
1: Well, you know, I have always struggled with my weight, like I said before, and um, I went to my doctor uh, probably in my early 30s, and I talked about bariatric surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, of course, most most medical doctors want you to try losing weight. Um, the traditional way, which is completely understandable. Um, and so for a, about five years, I really did try to lose weight. And I really did, uh, you know, everything I was supposed to I stopped the sodas, I went and I exercised, and I really tried to modify my, my, uh, my diet. And, you know, for whatever reason, I just I still couldn't lose the weight. And so I, I did end up going back probably in my, you know, 33, 34 years old, and I talked to my doctor, and I said, Look, I'm just I'm not healthy. I, yeah. I, I'm pre-dia- pre-diabetic. I'm close to having full-blown diabetes. I'm, you know, cholesterol's through the roof. All the all the all the numbers that weren't good were were not good. And so he said, "Well, let, let's get you through a psycho- psychological uh, analysis. Mm-hmm. We do have to do that before we can even consider uh, bariatric surgery. Um, you have to be at least 100 pounds overweight, which you know, check the box. I was." And so, um, and so I did, I went for a a psych evaluation and, and really, I mean, that's, that's such a critical piece of this because if you're not in the right frame of mind, if, if you're not ready to make a change, then, you know, bariatric surgery is just a tool and, Mm -hmm. and you can gain all this weight back because you're not in the right frame of mind. And
0: then that's something I've actually done so in my, in my practice years ago, when I practiced full time is people in your situation would come to me and I would do the evaluation to determine if they were a good candidate for it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I I went through that whole process and and I actually found it very very useful mm-hmm. because um you know, if you don't go through that that piece of it then your your mind is not really in, in a good place and and that's why professional help will will help you determine that. Uh and so I I went through that evaluation and I passed with flying colors and um and then I I went back to my doctor and I said, "Look, I I just think this is really the best course for me." Um lucky for me, I had a great great doctor down in uh, Los Angeles at Kaiser Permanente who who, um, you know, who agreed to do the surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the surgery and life was great. And, and at no time at, at all, James, did I ever think I was going to write a book. Um, <laughs> because I, I, I just, yeah, I, I went through my process. I had my gastric bypass. Um, I did the Rowan Y, which is, you know, the, the full, you know, gastric mm-hmm. bypass. Um, and I immediately in, within the first month lost like 50 pounds. It was just falling off, you know, a, a pound, amazing. two pounds a day. Yeah, it was really, really amazing. sure it was incredibly encouraging to you as well. It was, I, I'm not going to lie, it was awesome <laughs> I mean, to, to see the scale and to see, you know, my clothes was just every week I had to buy new stuff because it just was falling right off. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, I had no plan of writing a book. It was, you know, my life was good. I was just, you know, here I am world. I'm, I'm you know, getting lighter every day. Um, and of course, you know, being the humans we are and, uh, you know, we all, I think there's a little bit of vanity in all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, three years ago, I just started seeing all this excess skin because you know, a 160-pound weight loss—that's a lot of weight—and it's a lot of weight, and all this skin just started hanging over. And so, I went in to see a, a different doctor to have uh, the skin removal surgery, um, and that's really where things, you know, didn't go well. And that's really the stage at which point, uh, that that's the stage that led me to write the book. Wow.
0: And in that in that moment, you had an an awareness, an epiphany. You had a, a connection with something greater than yourself. What was that about?
1: Yeah, you know, this is the other part of my story where, you know, I, I'm always a little bit sensitive just really with, you know, any audience that I connect sure, with. I, appreciate that. Um, I I kind of speak all over the place. I I, I do quite a few speaking engagements and and I'm always very sensitive to who my audience is, and and I always say I don't expect anybody to believe the same things that I believe, mm-hmm. and I don't expect your your faith to be the same faith as mine, um, you know. But I, I had my skin removal surgery three years ago. Uh, actually, it'll be three years this uh, this October, uh, this month. And um, I went in, had my procedure. I should have really been done and out by you know twelve noon, one o'clock, uh, and at five p.m. the the doctors were still having a hard time waking me up. Oh gosh. Um, so things just didn't, didn't really go well. It was just a weird, weird day. It started out weird. It didn't feel right. Um, you know, I was sent home at 5 p.m., which I shouldn't have been. At, uh, at about 9 o'clock, my brother, who came in from, from Arizona to help take care of me, uh, walked over to me as I was laying on the couch and said, you know, uh, you're, you're bleeding quite a bit. And so, um, you know, it's normal. There's mm-hmm. some bleeding and there's some there's some drain tubes. And so he got on the phone, called my doctor, and my doctor said, yeah, well, that's that's kind of normal. Uh, if it continues, you know, give us a call back. Uh, so 10 p.m. rolls around and, yeah, the bleeding is, is, is still going on. And so uh, we call back and the doctor says, well, let's give it a little bit more time. Um, and by about 11 o'clock p.m. that night, um, I mean, we we literally had bath towels on my, oh my on gosh. my abdomen because of how much blood was coming out. Wow. So well, you uh, only have so much blood in you anyway. <laughs> ex- exactly. Exactly. So here, 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 my mom and my brother are loading me up into the car and getting me to the, uh, the hospital, which was not far from home. Good. Um, but I, I got to the emergency room and, and, uh, was rushed in and, uh, I was about a minute away from dying in the car. Oh my
0: gosh, Jacob.
1: Yeah. I had lost so much blood holy that I was holy. pretty, pretty close to death there uh and so i went into uh, i was taken into the emergency room, and all I could hear was you know nurses and doctors running around trying to you know calling for blood getting an o r ready um mm-hmm. and and at that point, my brother stooped kind of over me and and started praying and and the The only thing I can remember at that point, James was that I could see what was going on in the room it was It was definitely an out of body experience yeah, where uh... where I could see what was happening in the room mm-hmm. um my My grandmother and my aunt funny enough uh both who passed away, gosh. You know, four and five years before this incident, um, they were both standing at the door waiting for me. Oh gosh! Um, and then the next thing I knew, I was I was really in the presence of God. And so that's where it gets a little bit sensitive for me because I had some very very private moments and and some I will never share. Yeah, of course. Uh, some of it I will and and it does I do talk about that quite a bit in my book. But you know I, I just I had some very private moments with 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 God and and I was given the choice whether I wanted to come back or not. Yeah, Um, I could see what was happening with my family. And so I decided to come back. Mm. Um, But really, my my message coming out of that was, uh, I have a purpose in this life, as we all do, every everyone has a purpose. Um, And mine really is to feed people, which oddly enough, you know, food is what kind of got me into the position I was in. Uh, yet God's telling me here, go, go back into the world and feed people. Yeah, And so, um, and so, you know, really, at that point, the book kind of came to fruition as to, you know, I, I really should talk about, you know, the, 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 the concept of food being our friend and our enemy. Yes. And I mean, 20 million kids in this in this country, James, in the United States alone, there are at least 20 million kids that are suffering from diabetes. And, mm. and that's, that's a number that, that has been recorded only because of people that have been to the doctor to see a doctor. um, There there are more kids that have diabetes that don't even know it just because they've never seen a doctor for it.
0: Well, first off, thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate your vulnerability and just what an amazing experience you had. And so here we are today talking about your fantastic book. Now, one of the things you really talk about is the food portion control. Tell us more about that because I think we all can learn from that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, And really, um, you know, I talk there's there's a chapter in the book that talks about mindset matters mm-hmm. um, and, and a couple of, of segments. And there's key mindset elements and, you know, your mind not just being in one place. Um, but really, the the portion control comes in. Look, we all love food. Everybody <laughs> loves food. I don't know a single person that doesn't have a stomach. Um and so we all love food, it's it's a great pleasure in life, and, and we should enjoy food, right? There's, you know, I, I haven't met an M&M that doesn't taste very good. <laughs> I've met many of them, <laughs> <laughs> the, many. <laughs> the problem becomes we eat too many of them, or we yeah. eat, you just, you know, we gorge, and, and, and we eat a lot of, of food all the time, and so my concept really is, you know, the, the portion control piece. I can't eat a lot of food because my stomach won't allow me to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just stop and look at at what people are consuming in the United States, I mean if you go to any any buffet on any given day in this country, uh the average American consumes 7,000 calories in one meal at a buffet. Oh my gosh. And so when wow. when we start when we start to break it down, I did a lot of research when I when I started writing the book and just um you know, the portion control pieces are very very critical to mm-hmm. to our daily meals and and not not looking at a meal as Gosh, this tastes good. I'm going to eat a lot because it tastes so good. But it really, you know, the mindset that we have to look at a meal and say, OK, this is the fuel that I need fuel to get sure. from breakfast to lunch and then yeah. from lunch to dinner and, and that's it and then stop. And so and so the concept really came out of out of that and and um, and making sure that my messages. Look, we can all enjoy and love food. We just should enjoy and love it a little less. Yes, exactly.
0: You know, it's when you when anybody looks at the back package of you know, I, I remember I, I was cooking or I put some some frozen veggies um, in the in the microwave and I was like, oh yeah, you know, this whole this little bag, it's you know, it's one serving. And when I looked in the back, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like four servings. I'm like, who is who's this supposed to <laughs> <laughs> These are like small little people that are supposed to be eating this. But it's funny right. because we, we really don't realize it. And often, well, I'll speak for myself, often we see a small bag of some sort and think, oh, that's one portion. And so when you really actually look at what that is, I'm sure majority of us will be incredibly surprised that when we cook or when, if we cook from home um, or just right. even everywhere we go, it's probably multiple portions as opposed to the one single portion that we that is.
1: It really really is. And, you know, I I was fortunate enough, uh, I just about three weeks ago returned from Africa, I went on a mission trip. Um, You know, I went through Nairobi, Tanzania, I came back all the way through, you know, Ethiopia and Germany. And, you know, the the resounding message that I came back with was, you know, we're so fortunate in this country, Mm. we can walk up, I mean, you go into a Costco, and there, I mean, we have everything at our fingertips. And, and there's, thousands of Costco's across this country and in other, in other countries, they just don't have the luxuries that we do. And, and, and because of that, we tend to just, we overeat, Mm -hmm. we indulge and we gorge. And, um, you know, the, the, the piece of my book that talks about the, the portion control, that's the hardest piece for anybody because no one is at a dinner party and just has one of something or nobody nobody just you know opens the bag of m&ms and says okay it's just you know i'll I'll have five and then put the rest away (laughs) it's funny that m&ms
0: will say like sharing size or family size or party size exactly clearly i know all the sizes but but the funny thing is that is that i'm like that's not a sharing size i'm I'm like first off i don't share but secondly that is not i mean it's just (laughs) funny to me that the the way the marketing is done it it elicits this desire you know they use all the different colors all the shiny things that really Draw our right. attention in, which then causes our feast or famine mode to kick in.
1: That's correct. I, I work with a partner, and they they uh, they're called Livliga. It's a it's a company that makes uh dinner dinnerware, flatware, and uh, drinkware uh, with the correct portion sizes. By the way, the oh. beautiful plates, cups. Ooh, I like that. And um, yeah, they're they're a great partner of mine. And you know, um, and when you really stop and look at what you should eat, what you you know the, the correct portion amount, it's not a lot of food, but but we you should feel sustained after mm-hmm. you eat a meal not not overly full and so i guess i would just tell you that that the portion control piece of of what my message is in my book is it's so critical and it's hard it's that's the hardest part because none of us want to you know we we don't want to stop or we mm-hmm. we're having too good of a time and so it, it really takes that mindset to say i'm going to make a decision i'm going to put a stake in the ground and i'm going to eat one cup of you know, fill in the blank. Yeah.
0: And I think it comes with before you even eat, before you even see the food, having this mindset, okay, this is my expectation. This is my internal right. boundary. And with that, I'm going to enact that boundary. So therefore I am sustained as opposed to full.
1: That's right. That's right. And you know what? We have to love ourselves enough. And and that there's a whole nother part of this book, James, that I just talk about. I, I didn't love myself. I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't Care about how I looked and and the epiphanies that I had. Um, there were really two of them. One is um, you know I run restaurants. I walked up to the door of one of my restaurants one day and saw my reflection and and just couldn't believe what I had done to myself. Yeah. Um, and then the other is you know a a busy inve- and a, a wealthy investor in our company. Um, you know one day I asked and offered if he and his wife would like breakfast and and I was met with uh, well I don't want to look like you someday. Oh my gosh. And yeah yeah wow. no kidding and so. Wow. And so, it, it it I didn't love myself. I, I found myself in a really dark place where where it was hard to even to to love myself. And it so thus became the the you know it just be, it it became an easier place to gorge and to indulge because mm-hmm. if I didn't love myself and nobody else loved me, then who cared what I looked like? I was just going to eat and enjoy it. And I think that's the awareness that
0: many of us just don't have because life just happens. We have right. correlated loving ourselves with what we do to ourselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that love-hate relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we love to hate all the all the food that we have or all the all the good stuff, but but the reality is is that so many Americans and and I, and I hate to even just say Americans because it it kind of is happening all over the world now, but Americans are at the greatest risk because we have so much available to us, yeah. but we are eating way too much on a daily basis. And I, and even in the research I did for my book, I went back into like the 1940s and 50s and looked at like a, a portion size of a Coke can, and mm-hmm. it was like six to eight ounces. It was nothing like the 12 to oh, 32 yeah. ounces that we're we're drinking on a normal, you know, anytime we go buy a soda now. Oh, uh, a, a bagel was like the size of my my palm versus the huge bagels that we eat now. So, you know, lots of good information. And again, mm-hmm. I, I I'm not I'm not looking to become a billionaire selling my book, but I I do think it's important that people understand like. Um, th- that relationship with food has to change. We have to change that. And it really starts with you. And it starts with the way you start thinking about the food. Awesome. We only have a couple more seconds here. Oh. I know. Right? <laughs> How do you make our favorite <laughs>
0: foods more tasty?
1: Honestly, the best way to do it is using herbs and spices. Mm-hmm. Um, I use a lot of low-sodium uh, low chicken stock, um, but I, I totally take out a lot of the fat from any of the recipes. There are 35 recipes in the book, by the way. It's not just uh, my story. There's some, some recipes in there. But I use a lot of spices. I use a lot of things that taste good. Um, and when you really start to, to to taste food, gosh, you'll realize, like, I mean, green beans, for example. I mean, if you start adding butter and you start adding everything to that, you kind of take the flavor away. If you just enjoy the food that we do have, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we have amazing foods and, and, and all the fruits and vegetables out there, I mean, there's so many of them that people just don't even use to cook with. Yeah. And so allowing the, the natural flavors of the foods um, to, to, to be the star of the show versus adding a bunch of fat to your food, that's a great way to add a good flavor. Oh, I love it. That's a really practical,
0: uh, practical advice and definitely something totally. we all can do more of. And especially I think when people add way too much salt, that's right. And then we obviously lose the flavor. Like I personally don't use any salt. Um, I use Mrs. Dash as my best friend. <laughs> I have oh, yeah. all yeah, the different versions one. of that. And that's really what I use my, used to spice my foods as well.
1: Ah, that's a great one. I love it. Or fresh herbs. I mean, I'm yeah. telling you, fresh herbs, uh, they are the best. Yes.
0: Well, Jacob Boosters, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. I, this time just flew by. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and to purchase this phenomenal
1: book, When Food Is Your Frenemy, where do they find all this information online? I love it. Thank you for the plug. They can go to my website at portionyourplate.com or jacobbustos.com and or they can go to Barnes and Noble, they can get it there. Uh, it's probably easiest to get it online cuz you could do the ebook version as well if you don't want to spend the 16.99 or 17.99 on the on the the, the uh, actual book. You could do the e-version. Um, But either one, it's great. And the same information on both. Awesome. Well, my listeners also know that if they are not able to find your book one more
0: time, when food is your frenemy, they may also go to either store at either jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and we'll connect them directly with Barnes & Noble. Jacob Boosters, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. I really appreciated all your expertise.
1: Ah, thank you, James. You've been a blessing to me. Thank you very much.
0: I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today.